Welcome to the Now You Know Akron podcast, brought to you by the journalists of BeaconJournal.com. Each week, they will share their expertise on Akron and Summit County. Now, here's your host, Craig Webb. Thanks for joining us for the Now You Know Akron podcast. I'm your host, Craig Webb. Our spotlight topic for today is, well, bees. We will chat with an Akron beekeeper who was featured in the Beacon Journal's look at black-owned businesses recently. This beekeeper will tell us how his curiosity and a hobby has turned into a growing business that, dare I say, is creating a buzz in the city. But first, here's three things you should know from recent headlines from BeaconJournal.com. The rise of COVID cases in Summit County and the entire northern Ohio region is creating additional headlines and dominating our news cycle. Among the headlines, the Akron Symphony has delayed two of its concerts and pushed them back later in the spring when hopefully cases subside. And in other news, the Cavs fans will have to wear masks when they go to see games at the Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. In other news, Barberton City Council has adopted legislation that will limit where sexual predators can live in the city. And Alan Ashworth will keep you updated the latest ro- road woes that will begin in 2022 in green. The city is continuing to work to reshape its Maslin Road corridor to hopefully accommodate traffic needs into the growing centuries. For more on these stories and other headlines, you can visit BeaconJournal.com or our various apps for subscriber-exclusive content that you simply can't find anywhere else. continue our conversation with some of the folks who are part of our Black-Owned Business Series in the Beacon Journal, also online. We're owned by, we are owned by, <laughs> we're not owned by, we're joined by Brent Wesley, who goes by Wesley, uh, more commonly, the owner of Akron Honey. So, so welcome. Hey, man, how you doing? Thank you. I'm doing fantastic. Now, now I have to, full disclosure, I have to tell you that um, I, I live in Medina, and in my backyard, I actually have a hive. Um, my father-in-law is a beekeeper. And that's about all the knowledge I know because I am um, I, I know I have a hive in my backyard. So uh, so now you you still have oh your this own... interview is over. Oh no! I'm kidding. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> so this all kind of was serendipity, right? I mean, you were you were living in Akron, and there was a vacant lot by your house, right? And it, this is kind of how it all started. Yeah, it's it, it's so surreal how it started. I, I actually uh, was going through some old. Um, photos, you know, on my phone or actually on another like older five page to have and I, I came across a picture of the uh our, our original apiary. Um, you know, the vacant pot and it was blighted, tall grass. And literally this was like I think yesterday I went through this and found it. I was like I couldn't believe it. Like I was literally sitting in our production uh facility and seeing, you know, us start with just some grass in the middle of the city, I was slided. It just, I guess, an idea. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of crazy how it starts. Now, now you wore a suit, but not a beekeeper suit before. I mean, you were, you, you had another occupation. Yeah, if most people, although you know, most people think that I've been doing honey full time, uh, full time, you know, for for years now. But literally, up until last year, I was, uh, I was with. Um, Corporate Verizon, uh, you know, I was a GM for a 
know, corporate stores. And, uh, and yeah, although I didn't wear a suit, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, the proverbial suit was always there. So, yeah. So now you walk by your hive and say, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Just, uh... <laughs> hey, man. No, that's never happened. <laughs> so were you always interested in bees or was this just kind of, I don't know. How did you get started? Well, I mean, like, so this is what, this is kind of what happens. You know, I'm a type of person who, you know, honeybees and, and honeybee education, agriculture, that really didn't um, enter my life until I was, you know, until this, really. You know, I didn't, you know, beekeeping didn't run in the family. Um, most of our family is from the city. Uh, so, so you know, there, there isn't a huge uh, focus on agricultural education. Well, at least back then there, there wasn't. Um, but, but it, it just kind of all started with, you know, just, just learning from YouTube of, of all places. So like, you know, you got the internet now, so you have literally access to the, the uh, the information, um, database of the entire world, uh, from the very beginning almost. Uh, so like, you know, I just taught myself how to, how to do it. Um, and, and and even though like here's the thing even though even though you you know we just started with a lot like a vacant lot um, I realized that you didn't need a lot uh, a whole lot in order to to really like make a change in your community and make an impact. Well, I think there are a lot of misconceptions about about beekeeping, and I I, I guess I, I'm always just kind of surprised that you know my my father-in-law is the, the beekeeper in our family and that you know you order bees. I mean you online from a catalog and they're shipped and you pick them up. I mean, it's just, I don't know. I, I guess it just seems so strange to me of, of, of ordering beehives. It, it, did you order some of your own hives or? <laughs> yeah, that's the crazy, that's, that's hilarious when you, when you don't know about it. Like I'm a beekeeper, so it's normal to me, but like, if you don't know about that, it's just like, hold on, I can just order some bees. But yeah, you can. And that's how we, that's how we started. Uh, you know, it started with us buying that vacant lot in our uh, uh, in our neighborhood in Highland Square, which is now Wesley Family Apiary and Viper Farm. Uh, then we revitalized it, put a nice fence around it. Uh, but then, you know, I found myself in Ravenna, um, actually in Brimfield, uh, picking up two colonies of honeybees and driving home with them. And if you know anything about honeybees, like the colonies, you know, they don't like to be moved, especially like in a vehicle. So every time I hit a bump, it was just like this ferocious, ferocious you know, uh, this buzzing, like a roar, like but this buzzing. And I was just, I remember thinking to myself, like, what, what am I doing? <laughs> but yeah, man, you, I, you know, ordered the bees and brought them back, and it was just you college at the time, and and it, you know, and it just kind of started rolling from there. Well, we talk about the the, the misconceptions, and and I would tell you, I mean, I I'm an electric mower now, but I had a very loud belching uh, a lawnmower and I would mow right up next to these my our beehive in our backyard and I've never been stung. I mean it's it's I think folks kind of the bees kind of get a bad rap when it really isn't the bees, the honeybees. I think people confuse them with the wasp. Yeah, 100% of the time. I, anything that flies as a singer is a bee. And you know people have very generally use that term to describe you know uh, insects with those features. Uh, and just like you, you know, I, I had to mow my lawn as well. And, you know, I, I was always very, you know, wary of that before I started mowing uh, when the bees were there. But when I finally did it, 
it was like, you know, it was no big deal. And, you know, I, although I, I have heard, you know, stories of beekeepers yeah. who can't, who, who, who try to mow and they can't even get close to the hive without getting zapped. But like, that has nothing to do with the mower. It has something to do with like, uh, the genetics of that bee, uh, that honeybee colony and also how they've been keeping bees. Yeah, they buzz right by my head, and I just I, I move very briskly. I, I you know I, I don't linger, but uh, it's interesting. So I, I guess I'm kind of curious. I mean, ha, did you face any challenges? I mean, not just because you're a novice, but you know, being a black-owned business and and beekeeping. I mean, that's that's a a bit unusual, perhaps. I and mean, did you face any particular challenges starting up and funding and and, and things like that? Well, I, I try. I, you know, that's a good question. You know, be, being a uh, being a beekeeper, a black beekeeper is one thing, but being you know, just a black person, you, you kind of already know what could happen. So I, I did my best to avoid those situations. So, uh, you know, I, I, I avoided having to get any funding. So since I was working full time, I funded, uh, I, I funded it that way, like mostly, um, you know, it, it, it's, you know, when I, when I think of like the challenges that I've had, you know, you know, look, I, you know, truth be told, yeah, I've had some challenges, um, you know, along the way. And it really wasn't, honestly, most of my challenges were at my job, where I honestly, I, there were, I worked with a lot of folks who happened to be white and had a really tough time with, number one, me being their leader, but then also, number two, this, this black leader super-duper successful outside of, of work and and uh, making making it very difficult for me to lead my people, uh, constantly getting HR involved for nothing, you know, just, which is like kind of the equivalent of always getting pulled over, you know. Uh, but like that made it really difficult to, to scale, uh, not even scale, but just to build, to build the brand and just to do what I was doing. Um, I, uh, you know, at the same time, at the same time, I'm a person of opportunity, so like. Being a, a black person in America has unique challenges, but at the same time, I realized that there's a certain sexiness by number one being a beekeeper in the city and being you know being number two a black beekeeper in the city. That's something like no one really, at by and large, no not many people have seen before. So you know you get the you get the uh, shock and awe factor like wow that's like amazing and. You know, if we're harvesting this honey now, like, whoa, I've got to taste this honey. Because it's like the story. The story is so unique in, of it, in and of itself, you know, which a lot of brands spend a whole bunch of money every year to build the story, you know, and to share the story. And for us, it just happened organically. Um, and it was all because of the support of the community. Like, they really rallied around, you know, you know, straight up, this one black beekeeper. I mean, they really, they really did. And the business has grown. I mean, you're you're certainly, and maybe talk a little bit about how you you started from a humble, you know, that little lot, and now you have what multiple hives and, and folks who've helped supply you with honey, and you do unique things with that product. Yeah, yeah. When I think about how we've grown, the the first thing I think about are the people who love our brand and love our honey, and we and they actually call themselves the Honey Love. So you know, because of how we listen to them and how we kind of shape things around what they like, what they want to see, um, I really feel that that, that plays uh, contributed towards our our success. Um, another reason why we're so successful is because we just 
not about like, oh, you know, here's the jar of honey and this honey sober. And it's, it's, it's more about like, you know, it's about our honey love, the food they're eating and how we help. And, you know, so at the end of the day, it's not about a jar of honey for us. It's, it's, it's about the slave. It's like a slave first approach we take to everything, specifically with the designing our, our, uh, our batches that we make. And, you, you know, you, you mentioned one thing that, you know, the, the people who supply us, yeah, we have like a couple uh, Ohio beekeepers that we, we had to like partner with because, you know, they were able to harvest tens of thousands of pounds per year. Uh, and we happen to need raw wildflowers so that we can, um, that we can, you know, that we can deploy our flavor first approach and make flavors like bourbon barrel honey and habanero hot honey and our, um, Soon to be released, uh, hibiscus honey. Uh, you know, so like it, it's it's because it's really because of all that that we've been so successful, and and it's and I know that I've been saying the word successful, and I really haven't kind of put it into context. I'll go ahead and put that that into context. So a year ago, you know, when I first stepped into this full time, um, you know, we were in we sold a little, a tiny bit online. We sold. Mostly to the north side marketplace. That's kind of like the home base. But since then, we sold, we sell to like, I think over 30 grocery stores now. We, uh, sell to restaurants for on some menus, uh, some pizzerias, Good Meal Jane up in, uh, sorry, up in Cleveland, Hi Ho, right here in Cobb Falls and D'Angelo. Those, those are our homies who are right across the street from our first apiary, uh, right, right there in Highland Square. You know, so we're on their menus, um, We've uh we've done really really well, but I guess like the the most important thing is you know that we're doing is building a brand, we're building a reason why people should believe, and it's like an authentic reason. So essentially, we're just sharing this story, you know. Yeah, I so I'm, I guess I'm curious. What would you what would you say to someone who maybe lives in Akron and looking across the street at a vacant lot? I mean, what do you what would you say to someone else? about following a dream and, and maybe thinking outside the box? So, that's a good question. You know, maybe their dream doesn't take them to a vacant box. You know, maybe, maybe it takes them to our public schools where they begin to teach coding. Maybe it takes them to, uh, the, uh, you know, a monthly gathering of Girl Scouts where they teach, uh, you know, maybe a, a woman-owned tech firm teaches, you know, these girls what they can actually do in tech. Um, it, it's not always about a big spot. It's about filling, uh, you know, filling a, a gray space and activating. So for us, yeah, it was a vacant lot. We, we turned it on, transformed it into revenue generating into a really awesome story, you know, but, but to a lot of other people, it could be so many other things. Um, I'd say go, you know, you never know what you can do until you try. So like literally, any shot that you don't take, 100%, you're going to miss the shot. So at least figure out what, you know, you know, figure that you need to take the shot. Um, because a, a lot of the game, a lot of the game isn't like succeeding. It's, try, it's trying as many things that make sense as you can so you can figure out what you shouldn't be. That's a part, that's a big part of it. You know, it's like asking, uh, who, who's your, your favorite kid? I have five kids and I always say whoever's asking the question. Um, but do you have a favorite flavor? <laughs> oh my God. I didn't know you had five kids and I got five kids too. Yeah. They always, they always love us when we walk into a restaurant. 
<laughs> they say five or party of seven. And they're like, you know, they give you the eyeball. And I, my wife always says, which one would you like us to get rid of? <laughs> that, that answer changes every day. <laughs> oh, see, that's why we don't go to restaurants. <laughs> that is the bill. But. Yeah. So, right, right. So my favorite, favorite, yo, man, it depends. People ask me this question all the time. Uh, and if you ask our honey love that question, a lot of them will have a, a flavor, a favorite flavor. My favorite flavor depends on whatever I'm eating. Uh, because of the approach we take and how we design our, our flavors, you know, they work with so many different things. So, you know, I like pizza. So, I mean, I'm the type of guy, I put honey on pizza. Um, you know, I like, I, I, I really, I do love our urban, our urban honey has always been the hit. Like, it really, it really, it was the thing that kind of made us famous. But then, like, it's just so unique. So I, I like any of our, I love any of our, our urban batches. So the, the most popular one is Middlebury Red. It was from our second apiary we, we, we bought, which is in, uh, in the east side of Axe. Um, I told you how we kind of do things differently. Literally, we, we expanded by buying a second vacant lot just because we, there's a chance we could get new flavors and it, and it works. But that, that, uh, that, that batch is like super duper popular. Uh, the newest one I love is Hibiscus, though. Like, Hibiscus is popping so hard, and, and I can't even take credit for it. Like, our honey love said, it was like eight months ago, they said, you should, you should make a fruity flavor. And I'm like, all right, let's try it. So instead of, like, you know, doing the obvious infusing with fruit, we infused with Hibiscus flowers, and it pops so hard. I'm so happy that, that uh, I listened to it. Well, I think most people don't realize, I mean, honey has different... I mean, the honey you buy probably in the store is so processed and so, you know, but, you know, that it depends on what time of year, you know, what fields, you know, the, the bees and what they're, you know, bringing back pollen from that, that even the color of the honey varies from hive to hive if you really are getting true local honey. Yeah, and that's kind of, and you, you, you just touched on a point that, like, it, it really, it, it narrates and, and it, I wish you didn't say narrates, it actually, it reveals how we got into flavor early. When we when we first started keeping bees, you know, when we were harvesting, we didn't, you know, mix the batches together with other apiaries. We didn't mix with other seasons. Um, uh, and we always small batches. And the result was you're literally tasting point in time. A point in time when the honeybees want specific uh, flowers to gather the next to bring back to the, to the hive uh, and make honey. So like, dude, man, like you're not even kidding. And, and then flavor and and at least in Akron, flavor honey and Akron, it's like it's killing because like the, the, the bees are going to all sorts of different flowers, uh, but a lot of them are in the trees. And we're and we're blessed to be like pretty close to uh, the metro park. So you got like Pan Run down there. You got you know the towpath, and you'll notice if you start looking, you'll notice honeybees are like just mashing. And listen to us. We're talking science. Who knew we'd be such science guys here uh, eventually? But, uh, <laughs> it is science. See? It's all full circle to school. It is. Well, Wesley, yeah, thank you for, yeah. for joining us, and, and this was a uh, a sweet talk today. So so good luck, and and, and thanks for uh, thanks for sharing your your love of honey. Thanks, sweet talk. I'll, I'll remember. I'm gonna remember that. I'm gonna write that down. Give me a dollar for it. It's yours. Thanks. <laughs> 
That's all the time we have today for the Now You Know Akron podcast. Be sure to join us again next week. Episodes are released every Wednesday or thereabouts wherever you download your favorite podcast, and also available on BeaconJournal.com and our various apps. Before we go, once again, I have to thank our producer, BJ Lisko. Without him, I don't think we would get this off the ground. We also urge you to support local journalism by becoming a subscriber. If you've already signed up, as always, you have my heartfelt thanks. Until next week, now you know Akron.